After the previous parak went very much sidetracked to discuss a long list of comparing different things to each other. For example, there's no difference between Adarishan and Adarshani, except for reading the Megillah and doing Matanis Lev Yonim. And then there were many other examples, Shabbos and Yom Tov, Shabbos and Yom Kippur, Neder and Dova, etc. Now the Mishnah goes back to the subject of the Masechta, and the focus of the next three Mishnayas is how exactly the Megillah needs to be read, and details about the actual Megillah itself, the scroll, and what characteristics it needs to have in order to be valid. So I curse on Megillah number one who reads the Megillah in the wrong order, the Yotza has not fulfilled his obligation. So this includes, for example, if somebody heard the entire Megillah, except for one posuk. So it wouldn't be enough just to go back and read that one posuk, because it would be, it would come out that you read the posuk in the wrong order. And so you would need to read the entire Megillah again, so that the entire Megillah, posuk by posuk, was read in order. Now the simple reason for this is because the entire purpose of reading the Megillah is in order to publicize the miracle of the Purim story. So if it's done in the wrong order, then you can't really follow the story. And this is learnt from the Pasuk in the Megillah, which says, These days of Purim should be remembered and done, meaning remembered and observed. Now, just like the day on which Purim is observed, one can't change the order of a day. It cannot be that Monday comes before Sunday, or that the 15th of Adar comes before the 14th of Adar. So too, when it comes to remembering and talking about the miracle of Purim, when it comes to reading the Megillah, it has to be done in the correct order. Continues the Mishnah, Kura'al Peh, if somebody read the Megillah by heart, without the Megillah scroll in front of him, Kura'al Targum, if he read the Aramaic translation of the Megillah, or B'chol Loshon, or in any other language other than Loshna Kodesh, than Hebrew, then Layotzi has not fulfilled his obligation if he does not understand the language. Avol Bat, one can read the Megillah for those who speak a foreign language and don't understand Loshna Kodesh, the original Hebrew in which it was written, Belaaz, in their own foreign language, and as long as they understand the foreign language, they fulfill the obligation. On the other hand, if a foreigner who does not understand Loshna Kodesh, but hears the Megillah in Loshna Kodesh, from a Megillah which is written in Ashuris, which as we saw in the previous parak is the script in which the Torah and the Megillah would be written in. So even if he doesn't understand it, Yotza, he fulfills his obligation. So it emerges that since the Megillah itself is written in Lashon HaKadosh, and the main mitzvah and the way to ideally fulfill the mitzvah is to read or hear the Megillah being read in the original language in which it was written. So even if one does not understand it, he has nevertheless fulfilled the mitzvah in the way that Chazal said it needs to be fulfilled. However, if he's reading it in a different language, so that's not the original ideal way to fulfill the mitzvah, and it only works if you understand it as the understanding the story. If you don't understand it, and you're not even reading it in the way it was written, so then you cannot fulfill the obligation like that. Mishnah Beis, Kurasi Rugin, if somebody read the Megillah with many hesitations. They read the first Pasuk and then he waited a long time. Even if each break, each pause between the Pasukim was enough time to read the entire Megillah in that break, nevertheless, at the end of the day, as long as he does not have a proper interruption with things unrelated to the Megillah, and he reads the Pasukim in order, so then he does fulfill his obligation. Umis name. The same applies to somebody who is reading the Megillah as he is sort of dozing off. He's not fast asleep, but he's not wide awake either. He's sort of in that middle stage where he can still, if you were to ask him a question, he would answer you. But if it's a question which requires some thought, then he wouldn't really be able to answer you. But he is awake enough to answer you and to remember what he said. 
and therefore it is considered to be that he has enough intention to fulfill the mitzvah, which is necessary, and therefore Yotzah, he does fulfill the obligation. If somebody was writing a Megillah, and the way he would write it is that he would have a Megillah, which was a valid Megillah already, and had been fully written, and could be used for, for reading the Megillah. And he copies each posuk from that ready Megillah. So as long he's, as he actually reads each posuk and says it out loud, as he is copying it, so then he does fulfill his obligation. Similarly, Dersha, if somebody is explaining the Megillah, even in the middle of the Megillah itself, so for example, he says one posuk and then explains the meaning and the understanding of that posuk and then carries on reading the next posuk. That is not considered to be an interruption, because it's part of the mitzvah of the Megillah, explaining what is going on in the story, and therefore he would fulfill his obligation. Third, Leo Magiah, and if he is correcting a Megillah, so again, it's a valid Megillah, but he is correcting a few minor mistakes, or perhaps he's just reading it to check for mistakes, so it's still a valid Megillah. If he reads it out loud, then in Kirvin Libai, if he intends to fulfill the mitzvah, and he doesn't only intend just to copy the words, or to explain them, so then Yotza, he has to fulfill his obligation, Vimla, but if not, even if he is reading the entire Megillah, if he does not have the intention to fulfill his mitzvah, then Yotza, he has not fulfilled his obligation. We're going to understand that this Mishnah goes according to the opinion that mitzvah tzarich is kavana. In order to fulfill a mitzvah, one needs to intend to fulfill it. Even if he fulfill, even if he performs the mitzvah, if he doesn't intend that this is his mitzvah, then he has not fulfilled the obligation and he will need to read the Megillah again. Now the second half of the Mishnah discusses the requirements of the Megillah itself, the actual scroll and how it needs to be written. If it was written with some sort of yellowish dye, with a sikros, some sort of red dye, with a koimais, the gum which comes out of a tree trunk, with kankantoim, another sort of dye, which is made up of various natural ingredients. So that's in terms of the dyes which cannot be used, as we're going to see. They cannot be used for the Megillah, since they are not considered to be permanent enough. And one of the requirements of the Megillah is that it needs to be written with permanent ink. Now in terms of the actual scroll, the parchment itself, Al-Hanayar, if you wrote it on paper, made of grass, but it's not made of animal hides, Valadiftera, or from half-processed parchment, which is from an animal's skin, but it has hasn't been processed fully, Loyotza is not fulfilled his obligation, Suva, unless it is written Ashuris, which is the script in which every Torah scroll and Megillah needs to be written for it to be valid, Al Hasefer on real parchment which has been processed fully, Uvidiyoy, and with regular black permanent ink, which is very clear on the parchment and is permanent. Mr. Gimel, as we saw at length at the beginning of the Masechta, somebody who lives in a regular city which was not surrounded by a wall from the times of Yeshua bin Nun. So in that city, they read the Megillah on the 14th of Adar, whereas one who lives in a city which had a wall around it in the times of Yeshua bin Nun, they read on Shushan Purim on the 15th of Adar. Now what happens if somebody lives in a regular city, but he's traveling and he's situated in a city which is surrounded by a wall over Purim? So does he follow the city in which he is in, or does he follow the city in which he lives? The answer is, it's learned from Psukim, that even if somebody lives in a city for one day, so let's say he is going to be in that city for the entire day of Purim. So he now is considered to be a resident of that new city, such that he would read the Megillah together with that city, even if they're reading on a different date to when he usually reads. Now whether one is a resident of that city or his original city depends on where he is at the beginning of the day of Purim. So if, for example, he lives in a regular city, Ben-Ir, somebody who lives in a regular city, 
who went to a city which is surrounded by a wall. Or somebody who lives in a city surrounded by a wall, who went to a regular city where they read on the 14th of Adar. If he intends to return back to his place, back home, before the day of Purim, before the day on which the Megillah is read in the new place where he visited. So let's say somebody who lives in a regular city travels to a city where they keep Purim on the 15th of Adar, but he intends on returning to his own city before the 15th of Adar. So in that case, if he is still situated in the city in which he is visiting, if he is situated there on the 14th of Adar, he would read the Megillah on the 14th in that city. So even though everybody else in that city would be reading on the 15th, since he intends on going back home before the 15th of Adar, so he would read the Megillah on the 14th, but if not, if he knows that he's going to stay there in that city, at least for the duration of Purim, then he would read with that city in which he is visiting. Now if somebody lives in a walled city, where they read on the 15th, and he is found in a different city on the 14th of Adar, and he only intends on coming back to his own city, on, let's say, the night of the 15th of Adar. So since he always intended to be in that other city on the 14th of Adar, and that is the day when Purim is kept in that city, so he would need to hear the Megillah on the 14th in that city, and if he reaches back to his own home before the beginning of the day, before the dawn of the 15th of Adar, then he would need to read the Megillah again. He would have two days of Purim. Alright, the second half of the Mishnah discusses from where one must read the Megillah and fulfill his obligation of reading the Megillah. So Meir says, One needs to read the entire Megillah in order to fulfill the obligation. From the beginning until the end, this is learned from the Pasuk which says, And Esther, the queen, and Mordechai, the Jew, as called Toikef, they wrote the entire strength, the entire power. So according to Meir, this is referring to the power of Ahasuerus, who was the king with all the power in the Purim story. And that's how the Megillah begins. And so according to Meir, one must read the entire Megillah all the way from the beginning in order to fulfill his obligation. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Me only from the part of the Megillah which begins with the words Ishihudi, a Jewish man, referring to Mordechai, because according to Yehuda, the Posik is referring to the strength and power of Mordechai. And Rabbi Yehuda says, from the part of the Megillah which begins with the words after these things, because according to Yehuda, it is referring to the strength and power of Homon, and this is the part of the Megillah which begins to discuss the power of Haman until ultimately by the end of the Megillah he loses all of his power. Mr. Dalit, who exactly is obligated in the mitzvah of reading and hearing the Megillah? And by extension, who is able to read the Megillah on behalf of other people? There is a rule that somebody who is not obligated in the mitzvah himself cannot read the Megillah on behalf of others. And so the Mishnah says, Akluk Megillah. All people are valid for reading the Megillah and fulfilling other people's obligation. Chutz Mechirish, except for a deaf person, and this is not only referring to a deaf and dumb person who is exempt from all mitzvahs, but even somebody who is only deaf, and therefore he is obligated in most mitzvahs. According to this Mishnah, at least, one who reads the Megillah without hearing it does not fulfill his obligation. And so because of that, the deaf person is not really obligated at all, and he cannot fulfill his own obligation by reading it. So all the more so, he cannot fulfill other people's obligation by reading the Megillah for them.
Secondly, shoite, a fool, somebody who does not really understand what's going on. He is exempt from all mitzvahs. The cotton and a child. Now, a child with a raisa is exempt from all mitzvahs, but midrabonon, he needs to perform the mitzvahs. Or at least the father needs to educate him to perform the mitzvahs in order to prepare him for after bar mitzvah when he does need to perform the mitzvahs. Now, according to this opinion, even though the entire mitzvah of the Megillah is midrabonon, and so I might have thought that a child can read the Megillah for everybody else, nevertheless, the obligation on the child is a lower level obligation since it's reliant on two Midrabonon decrees. One is the decree of Megillah itself, and the other one is to extend that obligation to children as well in order to educate them. And so because they have a lower level of obligation, they cannot read the Megillah on behalf of regular adults. However, Rabbi Yehuda Mahashabakotan, Rabbi Yehuda says that it is valid for a child to read it for everybody else. And to the end of the day, it's all Midrabanan, and we do not differentiate like the Tanakama does. It should be noted that women, we can see from this Mishnah, are obligated in reading the Megillah. Since the entire miracle of Purim occurred just as equally to the women as to the men, because the decree of Haman and Ahasuerus was to destroy and kill both men and women, so women are obligated to read the Megillah just like men are. There is a discussion as to whether they are obligated to the point where they could even read the Megillah on behalf of men, that is up to debate. Now, any mitzvah which must be done in the daytime can be done from Alis HaShachar, from dawn. That's when the first rays of light can be seen, and Midaraisa, that is considered to be the beginning of the day. Since it's very difficult to calculate the exact time of Alisa Shachar, all mitzvahs which must be done in the daytime can only be done from Nitzachama, which is the point of sunrise where the actual sun can begin to be seen over the horizon. That's uh, while after Alisa Shachar, slightly more than an hour. And so the Mishnah says, in Kronos and Megillah, one cannot read the Megillah. This is referring to reading the Megillah in the daytime. To fulfill that mitzvah, Midrabonon, you can only do that after Neitzachama. Similarly, Vlemolin, one cannot have a, one cannot do a bris milah before Neitzachama, because the Torah says it has to be done by Yom HaShemini, on the eighth day. Vlemolin, similarly, one who was Tomei and needs to dip himself in a mikvah, in order to purify himself. So again, the Torah says that he needs to do it during the day, and therefore it has to be done after Neitzachamo. Mazin. One cannot sprinkle the solution containing the ashes of the Parah Aduma, which when somebody became Tomei from a dead body, in order to become Tohar again, the solution containing the ashes of the Parah Aduma had to be sprinkled on this person. And again, the Torah says it has to be done during the daytime, and because of that, it can only be done after Neitzachamo. Similarly, regarding a woman who is guarding a day corresponding to a day. This refers to a woman who sees blood emerging from her body on a day when it doesn't usually come. And if that occurs, so she needs to check the next day whether she bleeds. And if she doesn't, then she is Tahar. If she does, then she becomes Tome as a Zova, which is a high level of Tumah. Being as it may, on the day after she sees herself bleed once, so the next day she needs to go to the mikveh, and as long as she does not see blood that whole day, she will become tahar that evening. And again, the Torah says she has to go to the mikveh on the day, and therefore the titbul ajtonetzachamah, she cannot go to the mikveh until sunrise. However, the chulon, all of these people we mentioned in this list, who did these things after al-Amadashachar, after alois, after dawn, since mid Raisa, that is considered okay, kosher, it is valid, and they would not need to do those things again.